besides the command not to steal, there's also the command to care for others, not only among believers, but also teaching children when they become foreigners. With the tithing command, God made sure that the Levites, priests, and the poor were cared for. The Lord showed that he did not want believers who had given their life in devotion to him to suffer because of his forgiveness. With the repeated calls to give social justice and to connect fairness and kindness to the poor and widows and orphans, the Lord condemned those who became rich at the cost of others. This is what we read about in this passage. These same calls to fairness and love and compassion to one another must always continue and reverberate in our minds. Situations when we deal with our friends at school, dealing with the various needs in our congregation, and with customers and or employees of our businesses. Within this context, we are also able to see how the command to forbid stealing is a root command more in the limitations that that people already have away from that command it also includes depriving those who depend on you by not giving them a portion of what god has entrusted to you the lord was very angry with those who trampled on the poor and widows the lord calls himself the defender of the oppressed if you read the first verses of james 2 6 and 5 which we'll see later on in today's the message is very clear. The command concerning stealing is fundamentally a command to ensure that your neighbors do not deprive you in any way because of your love and personal wealth. When we consider the life of Jesus Christ, we can see the fulfillment of this command. Philippians 2 proves that Christ emptied himself of the glory he had with the Father for our sake. Paul describes this work as giving up riches that he might be poor for your sake and for my sake. As we read the Gospels, we see that the Lord Jesus did not hoard his wealth and time or his compassion. Not only did he come into this world in humility, but he had a heart for those who were suffering. He looked with compassion upon the despised in society. He healed the sick, encouraged the poor, and devoted his life to the welfare of others. He treated others as he would have them treat him. He treated you, his person, not based on what you deserve, but with grace and love and great patience. Just as God commanded in the Old Testament and Jesus fulfilled within his life, God does not want anyone to suffer alone. As we can read in two Corinthians 8, he wants those with plenty to give to those in need so that there may be equality. He wants us to be burdened in our hearts by the needs of others so that we work together to bridge such burdens. When we wrongly steal from someone, we make them suffer alone. When we do not help someone, we make them suffer alone. When we do help someone, we do so from afar without understanding their needs. We still make them suffer alone. What is the heart of the eighth commandment? What really is stealing? Stealing is being ungrateful for all that you have in Christ Jesus, unwilling to protect your neighbor from harm, and yet even contributing to the same. God says, do not be like the proverbial cow who hates the sheep. The eighth commandment and all the commandments
parts that there is a close connection between spiritual life and physical life. Life enriches us with spiritual riches so that whether we have a lot or a little bit of wealth, we are spiritually rich in his presence. This makes all the difference for us. He changes the hearts of believers so that they no longer worship their money and their wealth, but the love Jesus extravagant living for themselves and or their children. He changes our hearts so that we desire to live a life of love. He shows us those around us. He makes us want to share burdens with others in our lives and with the community we live. We all should understand that our spiritual life flows out of our physical life. God gives us a new desire to use all our gifts for the glory of God and the well-being of our neighbors. This brings us to the second point, the cost of this ministry. Well, after nodding our heads in agreement with all that scripture reveals to us about the rich young man, it is time to look at our own lives. Many of us that have come from destitute parents have been trained to eye all this a bit warily and ask, first of all, yeah, but what does the rich have in common? It is good to take a moment to consider this, but as we do this, let us ask the same question in a different way. How can we show that we are thankful for all that we have in life, both spiritual and our, and our material blessings? This question is answered differently by different people throughout the scriptures. In the 17 to 1800s among the Puritans in England and America, the explanation was quite simple. One preacher wrote that if he died with $10, then he was a thief because he had more to give away than to take. Many very rich people gave away most of their wealth to the church and the poor, leaving themselves to live a very simple life. Christians throughout the ages have recognized this path of rich giving, and many have shown this priority in their lives in very concrete ways. Today, just a few centuries later, such acts of devotion to poverty and selfless generosity seem to have become the norm rather than reality. Today, we emphasize a stewardship approach to our gifts, a careful management of money and the capital, a more personal enjoyment with the wealth that we have given to us, although we would not deny that generosity is very important. Whatever your position may be, you should realize and accept with thankfulness that it costs money to obey the Great Commandment. It costs money not to steal. We will not have as much as we give if we stole from others by taking it away from them. We will not have as much as we should have if we did not help those in need. We will not have as much money as we would have if we gave money to our God and sacrificed also for the sake of getting more. It costs us money to show thankfulness to Christ, but we believe in giving at such costs to him. If you say that you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you will also trust him most of the time to finance your possessions. If you say you want to spend your money and for the pleasures of God, you will not set yourself in the boundary of squandering time As a jealous husband, God wants the same heart. God wants your heart at whatever it costs. 
set free from the frustration and the burden of loving money. He wants you to know that he is the son that Abraham had everything he needed for in his life and his ministry. That is why it is so important to reflect on the word extravagance. The dictionary defines extravagance as spreading beyond usual limits, exceeding limits in perspective and meaning, exceeding proper bounds, or what is justifiable, pleasing or excessive, elaborate, vivid, vivid. In the form for Lord's Supper, the scripture speaks a life of extravagance equated with the word extravagance. Here is where the Puritans of the 16th and 18th centuries were having such a lesson. For as long as we have the poor among us, as long as there is equality, as long as there are legitimate handouts,
how will God spend your money? Because we know that joy and satisfaction cannot be bought with money, but is found only in a living relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has the riches of peace, comfort, forgiveness of sins, and everlasting life, whether they are rich or poor. Only those who know Jesus Christ will be truly content, and all those who have peace with God are eager to express their thankfulness for this blessing. Be so thankful then for the blessings that God gives to us in three ways. First, by expressing our trust in God by giving the portions of things we need to keep us safe. Second, by receiving the blessings in our own lives with thankfulness. And third, by acts of mercy. The portion we give to the church is the first fruits of our income. It is used for the support of the mission and the gospel. All Christians want the privilege of expressing this trust, even those who are receiving help from the mission. After that, we have two other responsibilities. To organize ourselves so that we and our children can worship the Lord for the work of Jesus Christ in every decision of our lives. And we need to make sure that our brothers and sisters in the non-Christian worship of the Lord because of concerns of financial or physical shortfalls. If someone feels he needs to work Sunday to survive, if a widow feels like she is giving her last weekend to the church, if someone is needed physically from working, she strives as a privilege to help others, first her family and then her community. And then the deacons must be actively helping them understand these responsibilities, organize their finances, and generally help them to give. And they can learn to use generosity to others through the church and their generosity to God. Do you and your children understand the role of giving? Is the regular collection in the non-cost, non-expense part of life? Do you have pocketbooks in relationship to your money? Is your needy neighbor only worthy of your pocketbook? God grants you financial blessings because you are his child in Jesus Christ so that you can express your trust in him, so that you can worship him, so that you can help your neighbor's church. Do not steal. Do not reject your eternal blessings in Christ so that you can be more extravagant and worldly. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when we are united to him and live in the joy of the living member of his body, we will never lack what we need and will respond with thanksgiving and thankful giving. As members of Christ's body, we commit all that we have received to him and to his kingdom.